Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 86 of the Double Density Podcast with your hosts, Brian Angelo. Double Density, your home to tech tales and paranormal primers. Now, first things first, Angelo, I think you and I need to discuss the fact that I think we uh, vision boarded too hard a couple of weeks ago, um, but we didn't bring back what we thought we would bring back in 2018 and 2019. We have brought back through a f- f- sheer force of nature, I do believe, the concept of the fax machine, my friend. I came across somebody else at work faxing something i'd asked why she was in uh, a different print room than her side of the office would normally be in and she's like oh i have to send the fax and i had a very good laugh about it did you hear the x-files theme song in your head i i think that i cut, like went straight away back to my desk and texted you about this i think you, you sure did yeah um, i thought it, it was there's an eggplant emoji time six which i don't understand uh but i will uh survive anyways uh, i don't so even fir- know what that means but i'll i'll, I'll just yeah. uh, li- listeners if you want to let angela know what an eggplant emoji is angelo furin on twitter my friends i uh the, so the first link in our show notes this week is something that i discovered uh through the use of the internet my friend and it is a website called faxzero.com and what it allows you to do is send short faxes via the internet to an intended recipient so does this like print out whatever you write in the text field? Is that what I, how the way I understand this? Yeah, so there's a cover page brought to you by factzero.com, and then it's up to three pages, I think. And it's free. 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 Totally and utterly free, my friend. I hope that this closes the door on the Fax Trilogy. I fear that it won't, and that we're going to continue talking about Faxes uh, perpetually, but for now, I feel like we're three for three here. It's a good place to close doors. I, I would consider it a victory if I get a Fax from Fax Zero at work from somebody who listens to the show. Uh, that is a weird uh, and uh, uh, it's a disturbing challenge. idea. Yeah, it's a challenge. Uh, I threatened to send one of these to a friend of mine, and he said, please don't. The only person who has access to the facts is the uh, CEO of his company for some reason. Yeah, I know. I don't have access to the facts either. Would have to, Somebody would see it first, see my name on it, and then put it in my mailbox. Uh, I don't remember the last time I got a fax, but we've discussed I, I faxes. Either. At nauseum, almost. Yeah. <laughs> We're the new faxing podcast. So moving on to closing other doors. So I feel like your farm report is like officially over now, right? Like no more Stardew Valley. You're kind of uh, full sail on other video game endeavors. I will go back to Stardew Valley because it is a great game. I have taken a slight break because, as I've mentioned, I have Spider-Man and I have a bunch of other Switch games too. And I made it sound like Spider-Man's a Switch game. It's not. It's a PS4 game. There's no Spider-Man on the Switch, just to clarify. PS4 exclusive, my friends. It is, yeah. Well, Sony owns the rights to Spider-Man. There was this whole finagling to get him into the Marvel Universe, which I'm very happy about. But uh, this is a different Spider-Man. Anyway, I got Smash Brothers this week. Uh, it came out as we record this last Friday. And uh, it's a whole wonderful, amazing mess of a game. And it's, it's fantastic. So you and the kids, uh, has the wife been playing? She has not been playing. And uh, interesting you bring her up in the context of video games. My son has a little tips and tricks book, uh, also information about games and stuff that he got at the book fair. And she reads him three pages of that before bed every night, which is torture for her and it's hilarious to me. And uh, the chapter, I guess, she got to tonight was explaining all about Zelda, the Legend of Zelda, and the characters in that. And uh, we hear from the other room where I was reading to my daughter uh, exclaim that, oh, that's not Zelda, meaning that she's one of those people. I'm married to one of the people that thinks <laughs> that Zelda is Link. You know what? Let's, let's do a hot test here on the, the podcast. I'm going to ask my fiance. Staff, staff, question for you. 
Who is Zelda? She's the princess. There we go, folks. Yeah, she knew. But she's a younger generation. That's true. That's true. That's true. But hey. And she has uh, Yoshis. Doesn't she have like Yoshi toys? <laughs> she, has a, she has a Yoshi, yes. Yeah, so she's into video games. Actually, funnily, so funnily enough, we, um, so we have a, a, an NES and NES Classic, and I, we were playing Super Mario Brothers 3 last week, and uh, she had not touched it in probably like, what, like 20, 25 years at this point. Uh, needless to say, she did not do very well initially, and then she kept exclaiming, children are better at this than I am. This sucks. Well, I was amazing at Super Mario Bros. 3, and I picked it up the other day, and I'm now officially terrible at it. The first Goomba killed me. <laughs> but you're also telling me that you're terrible, you're also terrible at Smash. Okay, so let's get into that. This game is confounding to me. How so? And I've had it for several years on the Wii U. Like, we've played a lot of that, and I thought it was okay at that, but I... So, I, I never press shield, I never press grab, I kind of forget about those buttons. Um, oh, good. Yeah, right? Like, you need to use those buttons. Correct. And I was, like, looking at tips and tricks, and it's like, somebody was saying not to roll too much. And I'm like, well, that's great, because I have no idea how to do that. So that's good. <laughs> uh, and I've kind of learned now how to use the shield and the grabbing button, and uh, kind of, I kept doing always the special moves and mashing okay. on that. That's not good. Okay. Uh, I've learned how to do the attack. My kids are learning, too. And we've been slowly unlocking characters, which is... Quite difficult, I must say, when I'm not good at the game. So, uh, who do you main as? Who who are your your main fighters? I like Zelda a lot. Link is cool. Mario, for some reason, I realize that's a super boring pick. Because to me, like, I'm going to be honest with you, uh, you're a main fighter, and I'm being very serious about this. I do believe you should pick the Wii Fit Trainer, my friend. I've used the Wii Fit Trainer. Huge surprise here. What Uh, what a surprise! I've tried her and him. I guess you can (laughs) choose like different skins. Right. And um, yeah, she's okay. I don't like the male skin. It's kind of weird looking. Although Either when, that or Duck Hunt. Uh, well, I haven't unlocked Duck Hunt yet. Okay, I can see as the Wii Fit Trainer or Duck Hunt. When the uh, Wii Fit Trainer, her uh, avatar showed up on the screen, my daughter was like, wow, she's creepy looking. And she's right. It's a creepy looking character. I have been using Marth a lot lately, and I like Marth a lot. He's great. With yeah, with the sword. Yeah, because you can reflect damage onto other people. Pretty cool. His echo fighter, uh, Lucida. Is that how you pronounce her name? Yeah. Uh, his sister, I guess. Actually, not brother and sister. They're the same character in their own game, is what I mean. And uh, she's pretty good too. Uh, she's a little faster, it seems like. Uh, the fire emblem characters are actually pretty good to use. They're pretty powerful, and I've been getting along with those. I have been having so much trouble unlocking Zero Suit Samus, which was my go-to character in the other Smash Brothers game. And I'm looking forward to unlocking her because I can't wait to use her cool, fast powers. So intro, like, let's put in right here like a training montage of you playing, I guess. Like, Little Mac's coach is teaching you. You're on the bike, right? Yeah, I unlocked Little Mac actually the other day. He's great too. Uh, and I will always and forever remain a Kirby boy. Um, so let us close the proverbial uh, book here on Smash Brothers for this episode because I'm sure you're going to give us weeks and weeks, if not months, of updates on it and move forward towards your favorite company of choice, Apple. Well, I was going to say before we go to Apple, uh, I'll, I'll invite you to come over and play one of these days, Brian. You know, I'm hoping that that is the case so I can wipe the floor with you. I'm, I'm worried actually you would destroy me at this game. So, Apple, yeah, Apple, you're gonna make some content, are they? <laughs> yeah, apparently so. Uh, so Apple and Amazon seem to be uh, becoming cautionary friends. It's like in high school when you have a fight with your best friend and then you reconcile. It's kind of, they're there right now. 
You can actually buy Apple stuff on Amazon now. That's a new thing, right? That's right. Apple TV is available there. I think there was an issue because uh, the Fire Stick TV thing that Amazon pedals uh, was a bit of a competitor with that. Yeah, and we covered that sometime last year too. And uh, now on the Echo, you can say, uh, hey, Echo Lady, play some Apple Music, and it'll play some Apple Music as of December 17th, I believe. So it's sounding like Apple is finally realizing that their gated content needs to reach a wider audience. I consider Jason Snell an expert on this. We're going to link to an article he wrote uh, in Macworld about this. He's been saying for a while now that you know he has friends that want to get stuff from iTunes and watch it on their TV, and they ask him, how do I do that? And his answer is, you need an Apple TV. And they say, well, oh, well, I guess I'll buy it somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. Also, like Apple TV is expensive. It is really expensive. Like I have an Apple TV. I like it. I have content on iTunes, which is one of the reasons I bought the Apple TV. But you can't deny it's for what you get. It's very expensive. And it's, you know, the Siri mode is kind of like a novelty. I do like that whenever. If you have Siri, sure. Like if you use it in your everyday workflow, sure. I I use the Siri remote stuff. It's actually pretty good to find things. Um, What's nice is being able to just control with my iPhone whenever I want to. Uh, There's like on the control center, you just have an Apple TV button and you you can control it very easily from there. So it's it's really well integrated with the iPhone. Apple Music works really well on there. The apps are fine. It's uh, they tried to put games on there. Mm, Yeah, (laughs) not so well. Look, them putting Apple Music on the Echo, like Apple Music was already available on Android, which is a huge deal, right? Like Apple right. putting something on Android like that, uh, I doubt it's very popular on Android, but Apple, T- Apple Music's great. I tried using Google Play Music for a while. I don't know if I had told you this. Uh, I don't know if we got into it. At the office, I switched to over-ear headphones because it's so loud in the stupid open office. And initially, I was just plugging them into my uh, desktop PC, and I have a free Google Play Music subscription that comes part with the YouTube premium that I use. And it's fine. It's okay. But I've noticed that Apple Music has better um, has better playlists and stuff like that. So I've been now bringing my iPad to work to listen to Apple Music because guess what? The uh, web interface for Apple Music is garbage. Oh, uh, whereas interesting. I know the... Well, it's almost non-existent. It's yeah. like this weird hidden thing. Like you kind of have to pinpoint exactly what you want, then log, then log in, and it's a bit of a mess. Whereas I know Spotify has a really good web interface, and Google Play Music is actually not bad either. Uh, Spotify is pretty good. I've used it uh, strangely enough. So because my sound card at work sucks, I'll have the web player open on my desktop, and then I'll switch the music through that to play through my cell phone. That's like complicated. Oh, not really. No, it, it's just it's one device into another. It's not really that difficult. Oh, I guess okay. Well, yeah, I I've been using the iPad because uh, I don't feel like connecting that stupid dongle to my iPhone. Yeah, see, I don't have to worry about that because I have an older phone and I I fret about my next phone. It is it is a hassle. Like, look, it's funny. Like, you know how I I come to things late sometimes, right? And I have been using headphones with like a headphone jack. Just recently, right before that, I would just use my AirPods. And I prefer now bringing the iPad because I can plug straight into it. And Apple Music on the iPad is actually pretty good. So what you're saying basically is that uh, them phasing out the headphone jack was a mistake in hindsight for a lot of these uses. Okay, look, for on the go, on an iPhone, I think we pretty much all like kind of resolved to the fact that there's no more headphone jack and you can use the the plug. But at work, I don't like having that there. It's it's just annoying that I have to have the extra attachment. Right. And 
AirPods are great. So like for for my for my purposes, the phone with the AirPods is great. But Unless yeah. you have weird ear canals like I do. Yes, unfortunately, like you, but you can have Bluetooth head, headphones as well. I don't oh, know. Oh, an added cost, perfect. Yeah, I, I get it. I really get it. The thing that bugs me is the new iPad doesn't have a headphone jack, and they keep trying to peddle this to professionals. And if you're a professional music producer, you need a headphone jack because yeah, you got to get that sound in your cans. And all this to say, Apple seems to be kind of waking up and maybe opening up to other devices if they want to do anything in the content game they're going to want to have apple like tv or whatever they call it for sure on everything like look at netflix i've heard this mentioned many places a lot of people i don't have a new tv so i don't know this but people have remote controls that literally have a button that says netflix on the remote my roku tv has four buttons you ready for this okay netflix yeah cineplex okay google play Uh uh-huh and rdo r.i.p poor rdo so one of the four is already obsolete, so whatever. But, you know, eh, that's that. But yeah, there's a Netflix button right there. Yeah, and Netflix is not shy about putting all their stuff everywhere because they're just content delivery. They have nothing sure. to worry about settle, selling products. And for sure they paid, so this is a Sharp TV, for sure they paid Sharp for the privilege of having their button on there. But like it's, it's worthwhile for a lot of people. And uh, Jason Snell makes the really good point of when did the iPod actually take off and become hugely successful? It's when they finally put it on Windows PCs. And guess who was strongly against this? Hmm, I wonder. Was it perhaps a dearly departed uh, Apple CEO? Yes. Uh, Steve Jobs was totally against putting uh, (laughs) the iPod on Windows PCs, but he finally said, uh, yeah, just go for it. And it it took off, right? Like Apple's where they are now because of the iPod. Yeah. Which brought us to the iPhone. And like now they're the richest company because of the iPhone, but the iPod brought them there. I do think that they're getting a lot smarter with that in terms of understanding that their audience isn't just the zealots and the converts, but really like the every man and every woman who uh, would like access to a service like Apple TV. Yeah, and there's that talk about Apple TV just becoming a little stick, you know, like the Chrome stick or the Roku mm-hmm. one, or even the Fire Stick, right? Like you just plug it into the HDMI and you're ready to go. So... I guess we'll see where this goes, right? Because that that would sort of cannibalize the the tabletop Apple TV um, uh, box. Well, no, because the other companies have two types, right? Like uh, there's the Fire TV and the Fire Stick TV. Like they have different feature sets, though. That's true. But what I meant more so is like Apple's kind of like process for these kinds of things uh, is to pare down. It's not to pair up. That's true. We'll see what they do. Uh, I'm pretty confident they're going to have this service everywhere they have to if they really want to make it successful. Yeah. yeah, I agree with you. Uh, moving on, I'd like to talk about uh, human progression, Angelo. Are you ready to talk about human progression? Well, I think we've been putting this off for weeks because I don't feel like talking about it, but I can't wait to see <laughs> where very, it goes. very much do, my friend. Okay. So, we're, um, so there's an article uh, by Motherboard, which is a uh, vice vertical from Daniel Oberhaus, all about how he went to DEF CON uh, last year, got an NFC chip implanted in himself, and then uh, because he wasn't sober, <laughs> forgot his password and could not log into the chip embedded in his hand. It's You know, it's like a tattoo you get when you're drunk or whatever, uh, but this is like a chip. Quick story. You ready for this? Yes. I'm 19. Uh-huh. I have a Hotmail address. I go out. uh Microsoft prompts me because apparently there's a security issue with uh, my login. They asked me to change my password. Changed it. Never remembered it. And that's when you switched to Gmail. 
Yes, exactly. Well, no, I, so I added a two to, uh, the, uh, email I was using and then, uh, subsequently switched to Gmail the year after that. But, uh, needless to say, I kind of understand where he's coming from, but I would not, I don't know, get a chip in my hand if I were inebriated. No, it's, uh, and I think he mentions in the article that the person asks. Yeah, they do. They try, they try to check and he just lied. He lied and he was also with like insider people. So they kind of like vouched for him is what I kind of understood. So it kind of helped in that way. But once he got it, he kind of was stuck with it. Yeah. Uh, And so what he did uh, sort of subsequently is that he used, so the way that the chip logs things, so there's like, uh, so there's 900 bytes, I think, of memory in here. Yeah. So 900 bytes of memory implanted in the hand. And so he couldn't remember the password. So he actually manually went in with a hex uh, code editor and sort of inputted every possibility of number over and over and over until he unlocked the chip in his hand. That's excessive, but that's, I guess that's what he needed to do. I think it's, it's I'm of two minds like 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 body hacking is super cool not for me obviously but also like it leads to problems because of human fallibility right It's so easy imagine something's implanted in you right and it right. goes wrong and you have to get it fixed you have to have like surgery to get this stupid thing fixed Yeah uh I think that like as much as we dream of a utopian future it's more of a dystopian future because everyone forgets about the human element Yeah look I'd rather have an Apple Watch where that I can easily remove and put back on, and it has an NFC chip in it. I pay things for uh, pay things with it. It works well. But guess what? If I don't want it anymore, I can take it off. I mean, like the the upside is things like imagine having you can drive your car without keys. But then the downside is someone hacked into my hand last night. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> like, that's punching like, yourself. Yeah, it's kind of like a double edged sword at this point, right? And I, I feel like there's not enough um, positive stuff out there for me to want to, you know, uh, chip myself with 900 bytes, which is almost nothing, um, and sort of see where that goes. Uh, I'll be the last adopter for this kind of thing, probably. I'm definitely not getting one, so we'll, we'll go there together. <laughs> It'll be an ongoing segment on the show in a couple of years. We will, ironically enough, hold hands as we get our shipping plans. Double density. Last item on the tech docket tonight is a very interesting article from The Verge that made me laugh real hard when I saw it earlier this week. So uh, Samsung can't seem to do a lot of things right these days. And one of these things is including uh, pairing up with uh, a renegade fake Supreme brand based out of Italy uh, in order to be able to uh, deliver uh, some kind of like cross-brand promotion with their cell phones with the Supreme NYC uh, being unhappy about this. Okay, I read the article and then I read John Gruber's take, which I feel is the best one. He says, partnering with a legal counterfeit brand is one of the Samsungiest things Samsung has ever done. (laughs) And it's true, right? Like Samsung's phones became popular because they stole wholeheartedly from the iPhone at that point. But it was sort of legal in a way. So, uh, so the reason this has occurred, and I think we've talked about this, right? So there's Supreme Italia, which is who Samsung has teamed up with. Yes. And there's like the original, um, Supreme NYC brand. And everyone on Hypebeast got really angry about this. And if you don't know what Hypebeast is, just head on over to the website for a couple of minutes, get an idea of what like sneaker and streetwear culture is like, then come back to us. But basically what has happened in Italy is that there are laws, uh, governing what you can and can't copyright. If it's too broad, they won't let you do it. So for example, like the Supreme logo and the Supreme name was too broad in order uh, for it to copyright. And I do believe i've talked in the past about how um 
you can make a sequel to a movie in Italy legally, right? So there's a movie called Alien 2 Contamination that they made in the early 80s because of the fact that copyright laws um, allow a lot of wiggle room for Italian creators to kind of do what they want with properties um, based on the fact that like if they're too broad to trademark properly, then they can sort of like take it and mold it in their own little way. And this is exactly an example of this decades later. I remember when you brought up that Alien movie to me, I was really confused at the concept that they could just steal something like that and get away with it without any issues. Um, but I guess uh, Italy has no trouble with this. So I'd like to read a quote from Feng Ying, who is the marketing head for Samsung China. Uh, and this is literally what he said on stage. Uh, so I want you to kind of think about this quote. Youth these days want to show their uniqueness and style. To show off style, we have two brands that begin with S. <laughs> what does that even mean? That's... <laughs> Yes, this is a brand that begins with the letter S. That's the best thing we could come up with. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I mean, it's better like, than saying these are two brands that steal from other companies. Right. So obviously, like outside of China, this can't happen because Supreme NYC has jurisdiction in a number of places um, around the world uh, in order to you know protect their copyright and things like that. Um, so this collabo will happen in China exclusively. No one's quite sure um, if they understood what they were doing with this knockoff brand or not. Did they get like bamboozled into this? I don't know because Samsung China's digital marketing manager posted on Weibo and then deleted it that they he made it clear that they were collaborating with the Italian Supreme and not the New York based Supreme. So we are not sure whether or not this post was like subsequent to the reveal and like who <laughs> who at Samsung is like in charge of like vetting these things? The Supreme leader of Samsung. The Supreme, I guess so. But yeah, it's just like this really weird thing about how copyright is applied, um, sort of like uh, uh, internationally and then nationally on a country by country basis and how those things work too, right? Yeah. Can we name our podcast Supreme? Supreme Double Density. We could. Uh, and, and then we use the logo, right? But the idea is that maybe we're a parody, so therefore we fall under fair use. Yeah, I have to work on that logo. It's that logo <laughs> that means everything, right? Yeah, so Supreme NYC, needless to say, is super pissed off at the whole thing because they didn't want to partner with Samsung originally, and now their logo is everywhere. So did Samsung approach them, though, initially? I'm not sure how the uh, collaboration worked. I haven't been able to find the details about who approached who about what. I would imagine that like, the Italian Supreme did try to initiate talks with Samsung. Yeah, because like, Samsung's a giant company, and who's this tiny little fake Supreme thing? But I guess they, they, their pitch was good. Yeah, apparently. Uh, good enough to bamboozle Samsung into allowing them to collab. And Italian Supreme is probably laughing all the way to the bank. Oh, Samsung. Anyways, with that, my friend, I'm closing the chapter here. I'm closing I'm closing a lot of books this episode, right? You love so closing books. You I like, love closing books. So we're closing the book on faxes. Like we're closing the book the on the farm report. Yeah, exactly. I'm just, I love a full bookcase, my friend. And with that, I will see you on the paranormal side of things. See you there. A double density PSA. Don't you dare copy that floppy. Nor copy it, who cares? Double density. Welcome back to Double Density. As always, we are switching gears from tech to the paranormal. So the first thing on the docket this week is, I guess we're going to be talking about women who like to marry uh, ghosts and things. Uh, it, it is a feature, I guess, that will happen regularly because I found an article on Irish Post that is a uh, sort of a summation of uh, a woman who has announced that she's split up with a 300-year-old pirate named Jack. Well, so when I saw this article in our show notes, I thought it was a follow-up to the other woman who married a ghost and that she was divorcing the ghost. And then I clicked on it and I realized it wasn't the same thing at all. 
No, it's not. This is another woman who married a different ghost. Correct. So Amanda Teague, 46, married a Haitian pirate named Jack. And uh, if you head over to the original uh, Irish Post post, uh, which is weird to say, uh, you will see that she actually dresses up as What's-His-Face from uh, Pirates of the Caribbean a lot. Oh, wow. She really looks like him, though. Yeah. So, But she managed to find another pirate, pirate, another pirate named Jack, and she likes Jack Sparrow. How strange. And I mean, once again, like we're not here to make fun of anyone who may or may not have um, some kind of, of uh, mental difficulty or whatever, because I do feel like there is probably like a facet of this. Uh, there's just a, a lot to unpack here that... Uh, I feel okay with talking about because it doesn't make fun of her, but it makes fun of the, uh, some ideas that I want to talk about. Yeah. Go. Um, so just want, like, okay. So in the article, it says the, the wedding to her soulmate took place on board a boat in international waters off the Irish coast. So here's a question for you, Angelo. Does anything really go on international waters? Now, where's the marriage certificate from? That's what I'm saying. I don't, I'm not sure if there probably isn't a marriage certificate because you need two human people. So there was, they were never married. No, I mean like it was a ceremony. So how do you marry a ghost? Like who See, mar- I, okay, so the, and this is kind of what I wanted to address, right? I kind of wanted to talk about the particulars of the process involved with marrying a ghost, because you can't marry a, a fictional character. And at this point, since this ghost has no proof of living, he's a fictional character. Please hold. I am googling this as we talk about this. So, um, Wikipedia has a whole article called "Posthumous Marriage." Okay. So posthumous marriage or necrogami necrogami Hmm, is a marriage in which one of the participating members is deceased. Huh. It is legal in France, my friend. (laughs) Really? Of course. (laughs) Uh, What a huge surprise there. So apparently, yeah, it is legal in France. It is practiced in the Sudan and China. And France has hundreds of requests each year and many have been accepted. Okay. So I learned something every time I podcast with you, Brian. Yeah. So I'm going to read off how you can get married in France to a ghost. Are you ready for this? Oh, yeah. I can't wait. Anyone in France who wants to file for posthumous marriage sends a request to the president of France who forwards it to the justice minister who forwards it to the prosecutor for the surviving member's district. If the couple had originally planned on getting married and the family of the deceased approves, the prosecutor sends the application back to the president. One out of every four applicants for posthumous marriage is rejected. So 25% of those get rejected. Pregnancy alone or a letter to that promises marriage does not suffice for proof, partly because such letters have a reputation for being illegitimate. So the idea in France, I guess, is that if you can prove that you're going to get married anyways, you can get married. But this is a deceased ghost, my friend. This is a 300-year-old ghost named Jack. Uh, how do you prove that you were planning to get married while he was alive? Yeah, and there's no there's no pregnancy there. No, no, yeah, exactly. Like, right, so there's, that's not a possibility. I mean, like in a lot of these cases, like quite seriously, like these are, you know, a lot of like medically sort of induced cases, right? Like um, the people have died suddenly or, you know, there's a lot of like different kind of like factual facets here. There's no real reason in terms of like an already dead person, right? Yeah. So, okay. So let's break it down. The actual legitimate reason to do this and why it's a possibility in France is if somebody recently died and you're going to have their child or whatever and you want to be officially have been married to them. Correct? That's right. That, that is correct, yeah. In the case of someone claiming to be marrying a 300-year-old ghost, that is not a possibility. That is correct, too. I mean, she's saying she divorced him after less than a year. At this point, it doesn't really matter. There was no marriage to begin with. Well, I mean, there's like no legal entity like here, right? Like Legally, there is nothing. I guess there can be other forms of marriage, right, as always? Yeah, I mean, you can make up your own marriage. It's common law at this point. Especially if you head to international waters. Yes, anything is possible in international waters. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, let, let's feel bad for poor Jack, though, because um, 
he was he divorced and apparently he was executed for thieving on the high scenes high scenes in the 1700s yeah. my friend uh, that was the best line in that whole short article I agree. Uh, so once again, like we're not trying to make fun of this woman. It's just the ideas behind the intricacies behind the process of mirroring a ghost are very interesting to me. If anyone has any expertise out there, hit us up double underscore density on Twitter. Let us know if there are any documents or anything um, local to you that you know of that exist. Because I'm getting kind of curious about this. What this is two articles now we've had so far where people marrying ghosts. Yeah, within like two months. Double density. So I have a really honest question for you that I want you to think about tonight. Okay. Uh, it's a very simple question. It's a question that comes up often when we talk. So, Angelo, are you psychic? Look, there's weird things happening sometimes, and I'm, I don't think I'm psychic. But look, I was looking... Uh, so, I've mentioned it before. I've become uh, a fan of the singer Sigrid. And I was like, oh, I wonder if there's like a song exploder with her, which is a podcast I like, where uh, an artist breaks down uh, one of their songs. Uh, there was not. So I was like, okay, there's, I'm not going to search for podcasts with Sigrid. There's probably none. I go to Instagram, Sigrid Instagram story. I look at it. She was just on a podcast. I willed it into existence, Brian. Just as a side note, have you ever listened to uh, Rivers Cuomo from Weezer's Song Exploder episode from a couple of years ago? I might have. You should definitely go check that out. He tracks his songs on spreadsheets. Yeah, he's, he's really smart, isn't he? Yeah, he's also really, um, he, and I, I don't mean this disparagingly, I mean like literally, he's very OCD about this kind of stuff. Yeah, and, and to the point where some of his bandmates find them irritating. Which is understandable. Yes. Uh, I do believe, though, and I think you're going to agree with me, that you're going through a period of strong pareidolia here, my friend. Yeah, no, for sure. That's all that is, is that it was just... False positives. It's, it's like the, the law of large numbers, right? It's like when you know you have a dream that there was a plane crash, right? And it just happens on the day there was a plane crash. But previously to that, how many other people had dreams of plane crashes, right? Or if there's a plane crash and like hundreds of people say, oh, I had a dream about that. Well, hundreds of people have dreams about plane crashes every night. So in this case, though, I was thinking of, you know, I've been listening to her music. She's become quite popular in the last few months. So the chances of her being on a podcast at the moment I wanted her to be on a podcast is relatively high, right? She's a well-known singer. And, and I've been forcing you to listen to her, and you like her, right? She's really good, Yeah, right, she's Brian? great. Like, I don't mind her at all. She's fine. Yeah. Uh, you also pointed out the song Strangers has the sound of printers printing at the beginning, which now I cannot unhear, so thank you for that. Yeah, I was listening to it loud at work the other day, and I literally thought somebody had brought a printer to the desk and was printing something. Perhaps a fax. Perhaps they were faxing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Full circle. But I do feel like we're experiencing uh, strong pangs of pareidolia here. And while that exists, I do not disagree that perhaps we're bringing it upon ourselves. No, exactly. That's all we do. Uh, it's like the face on Mars. Well, let's not talk about that because that's a whole episode unto itself. 2019 beckons, my friend, and I do believe that that will be the year that I finally debunk uh, the face on Mars. Uh, probably. Are you going to bring any special guests onto the show to talk about it? Uh, not officially. Uh, I will try and see what I can rustle up, but uh, chances are very, very low that anyone of any true uh, notoriety, I guess would be the best word to put it, would come talk to me about the face on Mars and their belief in the face on Mars and how uh, the uh, Martian uh, army colony or whatever colony is hiding out there is very unhappy with us. Is Richard Z. Hoagland still alive? Yes. So, so yeah, we can invite him on the show. He'd do it. I don't think he would. No. Come on. No. Ah. No. Sorry. Uh, He'd listen to one of our episodes and be like, this is, uh, they're going to get me. It's a gotcha segment. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so we talked about Samsung. Uh, we talked about China in Samsung, right? Yeah. We talked about uh, an Irish pirate, right? Yep. Uh, 
We uh, are now moving on to a different continent. We're going to talk about um, a very particular African story. A Nigerian president. Yes. And he's been cloned, right? That's what I heard. <laughs> right. I heard that so on the So Bahari, who's 76 years old, had to actually literally come out and say that he uh, is not dead, firstly. Secondly, he's not a clone. And thirdly, he is very, very excited to celebrate his birthday on December 17th. Now, there's a picture of him doing this at the UN. Did he yes. have to do, literally <laughs> had to do this at the UN? Well, I mean, he made a comment. It's only a minute and a half. But okay. So basically, there's been these rumors because he spent a lot of time in Europe um, uh, getting treatment for an illness. And I did some digging around. I can't seem to find what the illness is. But uh, people had started to rumor, obviously, his uh, political opponents, like the opposition parties, that he had been replaced by a lookalike from Sudan called Jubril. I think those people got it confused with what happened to uh, Avril Lavigne. Right. And that's she's true. been dead for years. She's been dead for years, my friend. Yeah. And she's been the, the her replacement, Melissa. She's been doing great. Uh, so I do believe I, I'm kind of amused by this. I don't know. It, 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 like I said, it makes me think of the whole Avril Lavigne thing, which is also laughable because I, I was joking. Uh, Avril right. Lavigne's the same Avril Lavigne right. she always was. Uh, but with deep fakes and things like that, it is a little bit harder to prove who you are to your people. Think about that for a sec. Have you seen some of the stuff they can do with that technology? Yeah, I mean, I saw a BuzzFeed news article about that. I've seen other articles about how um, they are learning to detect deepfakes. Did you see that documentary on Netflix called Cam? Yeah, I sure will. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got me there. Yes, the very, very uh, realistic, uh, very, very grounded documentary Cam. Yeah, no, it's it's a horror movie on Netflix. I kind of enjoyed it. Um, but Is I, it a horror movie, though? Because it, it's it, a thriller. It read to me more like a thriller. Yeah, I guess it's a thriller. It, yeah. You know why? I felt it was a horror movie because I thought for the like for most of that movie, uh, I guess this is like spoiler alert territory. Uh, skip, uh, skip to the end of this chapter. I'll I'll make a chapter of it. But I felt like for the whole time I was watching this, this was something paranormal. It was a ghost, or she was dead, and something had possessed her. Or I don't know yeah, what. Yeah. But I was waiting for the whole time for it to be something paranormal, and it wasn't. And it was just like really hardcore AI. So what? It is for me, and I think what this movie does. So smart movies kind of show but don't tell, right? But I feel like I needed a little more show. I agree with you. I wish they would have explained it a lot more than they did because they kind of like hand-waved it. It was somebody, I think I read a review where somebody mentioned that it's it's very much a long Black Mirror episode. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I just, I, I don't even want a lot more explaining. Like I want a little more explaining. I want a couple more breadcrumbs to be left uh, across the movie in order for me to want to rewatch and try to figure things out. It, but there isn't even that, I feel. No, I, I still enjoyed it though, mainly because of how great... Um, the actress is uh, Madeline something. Madeline Brewster, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. She is honestly really, really good and kind of um, captures that idea of... Because um, the thing is, I've had friends and I have friends who have de- work in different walks of life, right? So I, I've had people who've been in similar situations and the way that she handles things um, has been very similar to what I've experienced with friends of mine. So I feel like on that end, she, she it was a very realistic portrayal. And I do, I do want to correct myself. It's Madeline Brewer. Okay, there we go. But yeah, needless to say, uh, a couple more breadcrumbs would have uh, gone a long way for us. Uh, and that is our snap review of the Netflix documentary, Cam. Yeah. All right. Back to our regularly scheduled stories. Back to Muhammadu Bahari, who had to claim that he was not dead and uh, he was not cloned. He is very alive and well. And he's looking to hang with you on December 17th. Uh, and then uh, at the end of the video, he also said, if I'm getting harassed by anyone, it is my grandchildren who are getting too many. And then uh, the email that he sent out, 
is called It's Real Me, President Buhami Responds to Cloning Allegation. <laughs> There's a Nigerian email joke to be made here, isn't there? I don't want to make it because I feel like it's like a like it's it's cheap content, so I'm yeah. not going to do it. Okay. And I don't think you should either. But hey, good news! Uh, this dude is not a clone, allegedly. Um, but the DNA test still hasn't occurred, so who knows, really? Well, what is a DNA test? And if he's a clone, he's going to have the same DNA. That is very true. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a no-win situation. <laughs> so this is a very conspiracy-heavy episode because the last thing that we want to bring up, sort of like the main point uh, in this paranormal section, is we want to talk about something that I don't really. How do I put this the right way? Like, I don't want to talk about it too much because I feel it's been talked to death. It also is not like worth talking about in certain ways, but it's also something that I think um, needs a little bit of mentioning. Well, it involves uh, John Podesta, who we've mentioned before because of his ties to UFOs. Yeah, like he was willing to. Uh, someone had asked him straight up uh, if. Clint, if Hillary Clinton had won her 2016 presidential bid, would he release uh, information about UFOs? And he said, absolutely no question. Um, but I do want to talk about, and I'm going to just heavy sigh first. I want to talk about Pizzagate. Yeah, we've avoided this. I don't really know much about it. So most of the segment is going to be Brian oh my, explaining yeah. this to me, unfortunately, oh for God. Brian. Okay. <laughs> All right. So Pizzagate is the belief that Podesta, Hillary Clinton, uh, and a pizza uh, parlor owner named John Elephantis and several other high-ranking Democrats were running a secret uh, a child abuse ring out of uh, Elephantis's Comet Ping Pong in Washington. So that's really ridiculous. Yes. So this is based on the idea that uh, uh, Podesta's emails got leaked, right? So WikiLeaks did that. And then um, a lot of uh, 4chaners and some Reddit people were doing a lot of digging and they kept seeing words coming up. And then they started to believe that they were coded words. Now, if you stare at anything long enough, it all turns into code. It's sort of like that Bible code thing. Yes, exactly. So when we talked about Dan Brown, it's kind of kind of like that a little bit, yeah. But yeah, so the idea behind that is that so these self-made uh, detectives of the internet dug through Podesta's emails um, through the dumps and then uh, decided upon themselves that, and I don't know if you know this, but uh, so on 4chan, CP is uh, known as, uh, is short slang for child porn, right? Okay. But it's also, so CP also on there, because of course I know this, uh, is also uh, cheese pizza. So people who used to um, post CP would get banned and then people would ask why they got banned and the answer would be cheese pizza. Okay, of course you know this because you're a resident 4chan expert. I had a friend, a very close friend, who was a very, very, very active 4chaner about 10 years ago. Ugh, poor you. I know, I know. And not just an active 4chaner, but like on the B random board. Is like that not a even good X, thing? which is the paranormal like um, message board, and like there's other ones like like music and politics, but the B board is where the dregs of the internet live. And I I hope in putting this out, I'm not cursing myself and uh, inviting hordes of four chainers my way. But um, so uh, he was a denizen of the B board, and he was explaining me the double meaning behind CP. And so CP cheese pizza pizza parlor kept popping up in Podesta's emails, and so these detectives have decided that hey, guess what? There's probably a uh, child sex ring going on now. In my opinion, it would have been more likely if the pizza equaled UFOs. <sighs> Almost anything would have made more sense, my friend. So there's a couple of interesting articles. And the whole reason we're talking about this is because Rolling Stone, uh, in an article by Andy Kroll, uh, managed to, talk to actually talk to John Podesta about Pizzagate. So the weird thing about this article, though, is that it's headlined by John Podesta. He is mentioned a little bit um, in the, sort of like the first couple of paragraphs. But then it's an in-depth talk with James Elephantis, who owns Comet Ping Pong. 
Here is the hole, like the biggest hole I can find in this whole theory, right? So everyone, internet detectives have said, hey, um, there are children being kept in the basement of a Comet Ping Pong. But Angelo. Yes. Comet Ping Pong doesn't actually have a basement. If you check the, uh, like the building zoning and all these things. So these internet detectives went real far to look into this, didn't they? Yeah, so um, Elephantis describes how they were calling him hundreds of times a day. People were saying uh, really mean things on Yelp that had nothing to do with his establishment. And so basically he was hounded for about, I'd say like a year almost, like straight through uh, because of this sort of like internet uh, snowball, I guess would be the best way of putting it, um, that clearly has almost no basis in reality beyond the fact that perhaps John Podesta likes pizza. Now, this pizza place seems to be very popular and very well-liked uh, in the elite of Washington, as I gathered from the article. Like, It's not like a rinky-dinky pizza joint, is it? No, no. I mean, it's a, it's a higher-end one. There's a regular clientele, um, and there's a whole reason why this sort of uh, conspiracy has taken off, because there is a grain of truth in there, and it's it's exactly that. It's like people, um, wealthy people, people of stature in Washington do like to stop by and have pizza there. Okay, so like you can go there on on any given night and maybe see somebody who's well-known. Yeah, there, there could be the possibility of that, right? So I feel like that grain of truth was taken and then mixed in uh, to all this other crazy stuff and then kind of turned into a larger ball and uh, sort of continued there. And of course, your friend and mine, shirtless Alex Jones, picked this up. How can people still think that guy has anything smart to say when he peddles stuff like this? That that's the problem, and what has I haven't heard much from Alex Jones lately. Has he screwed himself over that much at this point that really nobody wants to listen to him anymore? Finally, well, I think it's I think it's less than I think that like he got deplatformed right across right. So Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, he's not on these things anymore. So I feel like talking about him has dropped significantly since then. And uh, guess what? That's a good thing. I do think it's a good thing because, and I feel like this is just kind of like conspiracy culture in a nutshell, right? The idea that like. You want to believe in something that has 0.05% grain of truth in it, yet there's enough there for you to want to continue to believe. And I feel like um, it's also a common occurrence in ufology, right? The thing with ufology, though, is there's really big compartments there, and there's a lot of infighting there. This seemed to be like this weird organized attack on this one place. It brought all these people together that had this dumb idea about this pizza place having a basement with like tortured children and stuff. And they really worked hard together to figure out this dumb theory. But at the end it ended in tragedy. Luckily nobody got hurt, right? Other than like just uh, harassment and stuff, which is not great, but nobody actually got hurt. The, somebody showed up with a gun. Yes. Which is what I'm going to One of these special uh, devotees for, uh, you know, if I'm trying to be super diplomatic about this. So his name is Edgar Madison Welsh. And he was, he, uh, at the time, 28 years old from North Carolina. He drove all the way to Washington DC, um, to confront the staff at common ping pong with an air 15 assault rifle or sorry, an air 15 style assault rifle, <sighs> uh, pumping three shots, uh, into a closet full of computer gear, searching for the entrance to the basement, which he never found. Subsequently, Welsh uh, gave himself up to police and then was sentenced to four years in federal prison. Well, uh, luckily, that turned out as it did because uh, it could have been much worse. Yeah, and it... Yeah. So I understand, like, you know, uh, Podesta has a certain grime to him, I guess, for lack of a better word, right? Like, any long-term, lifelong politico is into something. Let's be honest here. Like they, they know things they should know. They are guardians of secrets. They have been witness to things that probably would better be left untold. Right. You'd agree with that. I agree. I, I've watched scandal. 
But hey, to this level, I can't see it. I cannot see it. No, absolutely not. He's not. Look, he, uh, like you said, they have secrets. They have this, but this is like uh, monster level secrets, right? This is torturing kids. No, I, I doubt it. He he might have some weird like uh, UFO fetish or something, but uh, nothing with kids. I don't think. Uh, like yeah, I said, so, I think the pizza was UFOs. Yeah. So um, there's so within the Rolling Stone article, there's a an article from the New York Times from 2016. Fake news, clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, it's called dissecting the Pizzagate conspiracy theories. So after they connected the CP word, they started seeing other words appear, such as pasta. So they decided that pasta meant little boy, ice cream meant male prostitute, and sauce meant orgy. Wow, what a jump to sauce meaning orgy. That's, I, those are words I never thought I'd say together on this podcast. Well, here you are, Angelo. That is the... Uh meat and potatoes of this uh, and of yeah um, i'd also think that we should link to uh the new york times article because of course why not because uh, clearly this all makes a ton of sense but i do want to talk about the idea of like crowdsourcing um sort of like these sorts of things right like so uh a couple of years ago we had the boston bombing and then immediately in its aftermath while they were searching for the person who had or persons who had done this reddit decided to put their um, thinking caps on and uh, did a little digging with their own and then misidentified the, 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 for lack of a better word, the terrorist. Yeah, they thought they were doing some sort of good, but when it's like a mob mentality like that, it's called the mob mentality for a reason. You, you're not thinking straight. You have all these emotions running high. People start seeing patterns. Uh, they're all up there with their crazy walls, like you one would say. One would say. Uh, and they get nothing solved. They just find the wrong person, unfortunately. They need to leave it up to the experts at this point. Also, just kind of like to back things over, because of course, um, the signage for Comet Ping Pong uh, is allegedly Illuminati. Of course it is. Is it an eye? With like a pyramid? <laughs> what is it? I, I, did, I, did they have the... It's, it's stars It's it's stars and, and moons. Oh yeah, no, okay. Then, uh, yeah, for sure. But it, again, stars, moons, it's UFOs, Brian. It's UFOs. <laughs> so really, when we're talking about um, uh, the elite abusing their power, what we really want to talk about is UFOs and uh, the existence of uh, other planetary beings. Pizza is the UFO itself. Pasta is the grays, because pasta is thin, like their stupid, thin little mouths. Right. And a sauce is... A sauce abdu- can be like the... Abductees. A their big, space fuel or, or a big abductee orgy. Oh, that's true. That's yeah. very true too. So at this point, like if you post this on fortune, you probably get some traction. Well, it's true. I'm not, I think my theory is much more sound than their dumb theory. I feel but, like next year we should kind of do a social experiment, my friend. And so like, they don't need a basement to keep these records in. They could just have them on like a laptop. That's right. Yeah. Anywhere really. So, all right. Solved. Yeah. I mean like there's, it's such a, depressing kind of narrative that the idea is that this place that doesn't even have a basement it would have a secret kill room yeah no i it's that do, do people still believe it yeah a lot of people still believe it just how like a lot of people still believe that QAnon is a thing or uh that we never went to the moon did you know that uh, certain basketball players are thinking that too now <laughs> <laughs> and NASA has invited them, uh, looking at you, Steph Curry, to, uh, you know, uh, visit them and yeah. we'll talk about it. I, I thought Steph Curry was like super smart. Yeah, I guess not, my friend. Uh, also, let's talk about, you, let's backtrack, faked moon landing. I thought we agreed that this was a fake moon landing shot in Pinewood Studios. 
No, 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 no. I thought we had closed the book on that one, no, for lack of a better term. No, it's all real. <laughs> uh, but, but I'd be more willing to believe that than this. The, the fake moon landing? Yes. Than this? Yes. I would say yes. Yeah. I'm not saying that I believe it. I'm just saying if oh, no, no, I yeah. had to choose, if this was for a decision tree, and like which is the more plausible sure. one, yeah. the moon landing makes more sense. A weird child sex ring in a basement and a secret kill room that doesn't exist? Uh, I don't know about that. Because look, okay, here, let, let's hash it out. There is no basement to for them to go to, right? So does that, officially, officially, there's that's not that's a fact. The moon is there. We know that for sure. Maybe if we were not in a simulation, although apparently it blinks out every once in a while. I, I heard something about that somewhere. You gotta get that generator fixed. But that somebody filmed it in a back lot—that's more plausible than than the fake basement. I mean, in terms of motivation wanting to win the space race against the Russians, right? Like the, we're in the midst of the cold war. We want to look like the superior entity, right? In North America. Cause now obviously I'm speaking as an American here, clearly, yeah. even though I'm Canadian. Uh, I think there's more motivation there than there is for this. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, uh, close the book on Pizzagate. It's just about UFOs. Nothing. To it's see hooey. Space hooey, my friend. Yeah. Well, look, it, I was just looking at some of the artwork in the, uh, well, artwork, if you want to call it that, but the decor in the, uh, place and like look there's like stars and star maps and those lights they're ufos clearly i'm going to fax tom DeLong all about this we're going to get an answer my friend but until then let us bring episode 86 of double density to a close as we wonder out loud who is going to save our souls it's jewel who will save your soul so is that your favorite jewel song um it's up there i like jewel a lot Okay, so uh, Who Will Save Your Soul versus You Were Meant For Me versus Foolish Games. Oh, oh boy. Foolish Games. Okay, all right. We can still remain podcast co-hosts, my friend, because I was going to go with Foolish Games, followed by Who Will Save Your Soul, followed by You Were Meant For Me. And so I feel like we are unified. We've come back together at the end of this episode after so much discord, after talking about faked moon landings, um, strange uh, internet-bred mysteries. Uh, there was arguing... Sort of, not really, uh, but now we are uh, back to being whole here, and I'm just rambling because it's a lot of fun. But with that being said, you can find us and find out more of our ramblings over on Twitter, double underscore density, facebook.com slash double density podcast, same thing over on Instagram, and you can head over to double density.net, click on the contact button, tell us how wrong we are about Pizzagate, and tell us uh, your favorite theories about Pizzagate, uh, or not at all, please. Uh, you know, you can also tell us about how you feel about QAnon, because clearly some people feel some way about it. If you're willing to wear t-shirts and bring signs to Donald Trump rallies um, suggesting this. You can uh, send us a that- fax, too. Yes, you can. Yeah. Uh, San Angelo faxes at work through faxzero.com. Uh, and uh, we will see where these things go, right, Angelo? We'll see where they go. I don't know where they will, but uh, <laughs> not in the basement that doesn't exist. So tune in next week as we go on our annual snipe hunt in the woods and find the much derided creature. Angelo, I will see you then, my friend. I can't wait for that one. Sorry, I'm burping. It's very awkward. Give me a sec. Sorry. I'm so sorry. (laughs) That came out of nowhere.